Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 88. I hope you're having a fantastic week out there. Really, really excited this week to bring you one of the up and coming drummers in the world in one of the hottest new young bands. We're going to be joined by Corey Coverstone of Dirty Honey right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're about to be joined by Corey Coverstone of the band Dirty Honey. Uh, If you're not familiar, Dirty Honey is the one and only unsigned band to ever have a number one single they hit the rock mainstream charts hit number one without a label um this is a band that's getting it done they have just embarked on their first headlining tour uh they are selling out theaters all over america if you're not hip to this band yet you need to get that way because rock is not dead i don't care what any of the critics at rolling stone or any of the other you know billboard any of the magazines don't care what they say dirty honey is living proof that rock and roll is not dead in the year 2020 Corey's a great young man um, he is not only a great rock drummer, but he studied jazz. He studied with one of our previous guests, uh, the great Nate Morton from way back on episode eight. Uh, so we were really pleased to get Corey on here. Uh, please forgive the background noise. We actually talked with Corey as he was 
in the van on the way to a gig uh, out on the road. So it's a little bit noisy in the background, but we were just so glad to have him on the show. Help me welcome him, Corey Coverstone, to the Drum Shuffle. Hey, good afternoon, Corey. How's it going, man? What's up, dude? <laughs> so I know that you're in the van traveling to a show tonight. Uh, so thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. We appreciate it. Of course. Happy to be here. Cool, man. Well, you know, on the drum shuffle, our tradition is really to start at the beginning. Um, you grew up in the Portland area. Is that right? Yeah, kind of in the suburbs all around the Sherwood, Tigard, Beaverton I gotcha. Okay. So, um, growing up in, in a, in Portland, I mean, everybody knows about the art scene in Portland. I mean, was music kind of, was that part of your life almost immediately? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, um, I think it all started with my parents being music lovers, particularly of like classic rock. And my dad definitely got me into Van Halen and Alex Van Halen and pointing out the like drum intro for Hot for Teacher and that kind of thing. And my mom loved Aerosmith and so fell in love with Joey Kramer's playing and, you know, anything in that whole realm of classic rock, Van Halen, Aerosmith, Journey, it, all that stuff was from an early age, um, you know, a yeah. part of growing up and on my radar. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, when did drumming come into your life? I mean, I know you started playing pretty young. Um, it was was it school band? Is that was that really your first exposure to playing yourself, or did you start on your own? Um, I think it kind of started when my mom got me. Uh, she just got me like a, a cheap student model snare drum from a, like a local music shop, just kind of on a whim. To, um, to just see and like, you know, find, trying to find some stuff that the kid is interested in. And so she just went and got me a snare drum. And so that was the first drum that I had and, and my first exposure to any kind of drumming. And then that, I mean, I probably played it for like a day or two and then threw it in the closet and didn't <laughs> touch it for a while. And then like, and then like later on, I don't know, sometime later, like I started banging on like pots and pans in the garage and like I would wear these ski gloves and uh, I had a pair of drumsticks and then I would bust out the snare drum again and be like dancing along and playing the snare with these ski gloves on to ZZ Top and ACDC <laughs> and stuff and then so it was kind of like a, a touch and go thing in the beginning but then it really picked up um, uh, maybe I don't know I, like a year or two after that initial snare drum that she got and then my dad hopped on Craigslist and we went and found a, a nice little beginner drum set and um, and then off, off I went. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a common story uh, amongst a lot of drummers, you know, is, yeah. you know, you just you try it out and sometimes it doesn't take immediately, but it, I think the key for all drummers is when you get the first kit, like, you know, when you get a snare drum, right. you know, I, I don't think you're real excited about learning, you know, paradiddles and ratamacues. You, you want a drum yeah. set so you can rock out. Right. I mean, so, totally, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. 
when you got your first kit, did you start forming, you know, garage bands like almost immediately or did you take lessons? I mean, what was your path? Uh, so yeah, my path was touching on your note of like joining the school band or whatever that didn't happen until, uh, probably a couple of years after I got my kit. I think I got my first kit when I was maybe eight, eight, eight years old or something. Okay. Um, so then the, the school band thing and playing the, I played the bells and the snare drum and that didn't happen until later. Um, but yeah, my path. So once I got the first kit, um, it was just a lot of like playing along to records and kind of trying to figure things out on my own. Um, and a, a guy that worked with my mom uh, at her office job played drums. And so every once in a while they would do these like office kind of potluck, get everybody with their, you know, there was like some people that played guitar and sang and drummers and so I ended up taking lessons with a guy named Wes Kotratz, who I think still plays in the Portland area. Um, so he, and he was just a guy that worked with my mom. And so that was the first kind of formal drum lessons I guess I had. Yeah. Um, and then forming bands and stuff that didn't come until a little bit later, but like, I, I would show up after I started taking lessons and got my first kid, I would show up at these, like these parties, office parties, and I would bring my kit and, uh, West who I was studying with at the time would bring his kid. And then we would do these big, like office jams after hours. And, um, and so that was kind of my first exposure of playing with other musicians. And, from, I think I did like the third grade talent show with one of the guitar players from my mom's <laughs> office. We played Sweet Home Alabama. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then from there, yeah, it was probably a couple years after just taking lessons with Wes and playing with some my mom's friends from the office who played and were willing to like tolerate playing with a young kid who was probably terrible. <laughs> at drums. Uh, and then, yeah, once I like hit probably freshman year in high school, I started to actually jam with people from my school and, um, together and stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, you know, I mean, I th again, I think it's a very similar story to a lot of folks. And, you know, I mean, I I've read yeah. some, some of the stuff, you know, about you and, and one of the cool things, and I don't know how far ahead I'm skipping here, but um, I know that you took lessons with with my old friend Nate Morton. You know, Nate is a is oh, a yeah. is a good friend of the show. We've had him on the show, and we're I actually was texting with him today, trying to get him oh, scheduled yeah. to come back on the show. You know, while he's kind of on a downtime, right. you know, with the voice. But um, yeah, when was it? You know, was it high school age that you decided, hey, this is something that I may really want to pursue to try to do, you know, professionally? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until actually after high school that my mom was like, so what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> and um, I was kind of like, well, I don't know, drums are pretty cool, and I'm all right with it. I had, Up until that point, I had played in some, I mean, like, fairly successful, like, just local Portland bands, and we did some traveling here and there, and played in a band that 
headlined some festivals in Alaska and stuff like that. So it was like there there was some like um, I don't know, I guess low level success happening at that time, and I, I kind of saw that that was cool or whatever. Um, but yeah, after definitely after high school, I was. Um, kind of pressured to like figure out what I wanted to do. <clears throat> but I mean, up until that point, I was also into like BMX and racing motocross and stuff. So that I, my first thing was that I wanted to like be a professional BMX guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. A shop and all that. Well, and I think some of those things kind of go hand in hand, you, you know, I mean, like, for example, I know you guys did some some shows with Slash, uh, you know, and, and those guys, yeah. you know, Slash wanted to be a, a BMXer and a, and a skateboarder, he, you know, really? yeah, absolutely. You know, music was kind of his secondary thing, um, you know, but yeah. like, like the BMXers, the skateboarders, the, you know, the motocross guys you know, a lot of those professionals are, are musicians as well. It's just, they're better at, you know, riding a bike than they are at, you know, playing a guitar or whatever. So, um, yeah. which, which I think is kind for of cool. Me, for me, it was, yeah, for me, it was tearing my ACL. Oh, wow. Trying to do a 360 off this ledge. And that, uh, I was kind of like, all right, BMX hurts yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> so I think well, I'm out. Music's well, cool. Corey, you're a young guy, man. You you do this drumming thing as long as I have, and it'll start hurting. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, trying to take care of myself and you know stretch and do yoga and all that as much as I can. I hear you, brother. I hear you. But um, but dude, Nate Morton is I fucking love that guy. Um, he's he we're he's like still a mentor to me to this day. I actually probably talked to him like I don't know a week ago and. Um, he, he said on the phone, he's like, he's like, dude, if we were actual, he called me his little brother. He's like, dude, if we were actual brothers, we wouldn't be any closer than we are right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Nate's just good people, man. Awesome. He's a great dude. Totally. And you, you know, he, he's such a monster player. And you know, when I read yeah. that you had taken lessons with him, you know, I kind of made, I connected that dot in my brain and I was like, ah, oh, some of this makes a little more sense now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, so well, that was, I, I met Nate when he was doing a clinic in Seattle and my mom, when she was like, so what are you going to do with your life? And I didn't want to go to college or anything like that. Uh, she, just kind of did some research and found this guy, Nate Morton, who was at the time, I think, touring with the uh, American Idol band or something and was doing some clinics. And so we drove up to Seattle and met him and then kept in touch and uh, scheduled a lesson in L.A. with him. And my dad was a, a long haul truck driver who would go up and down the West Coast. So it kind of worked out perfectly. I could hop in the big rig with him and go down and meet Nate for a five, six hour lesson and then um, take all the materials and things he was showing me and go back home for a month and shed it and then go back down. I did that for a year or two. Oh, that's um, cool, man. Before I actually moved. Yeah, before I moved to LA. That's, that is actually an awesome story. And, you know, one of these days when you're writing your, your biography, um, you know, it's, it's going to be like, yeah, I literally rode in a big rig to drum lessons with Nate Morton for, 
that's such a <laughs> yeah. That's such a cool story, man. That's the only thing that would be any cooler yeah. than that is if you hitchhike to LA, right? I mean that <laughs> That's next level. Yeah. Maybe one day if I have kids I can get them to do that. One of me. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, so I, talk to me a little bit about Dirty Honey and how that happened. I mean, I know you made the move to L.A. Did you know any of the, the guys in the band before you moved to L.A. or did the band form after you made that move? The band formed after I made the move to L.A. and not until like several years after I had been living in L.A. And I was, you know, taking lessons with guys and kind of being a freelance hired gun um, and doing that, I was on a country gig and met up with Justin, the bass player, and because he was also, you know, doing sessions and playing around, and and then we just kept in touch. And then, like a couple of years later, I don't know, he he just hit me up to dub at the at the basement in Santa Monica where these guys had been playing for a while, and and I came in and filled in. I think they didn't quite have a drummer nailed down at the time, and. Um, came in and had fun and played the gig and then afterwards was kind of like all right um, I'm, I'll do this you know <laughs> can I do this, do this? <laughs> yeah well you but know that was fun. I think something that's really cool about you I, I think for a casual a casual listener that you know listens to Dirty Honey's music they would say oh well Corey's definitely just you know a rock drummer which of course you are but, you know, mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, some of your influences, you know, t- first of all, tell us about your influences, but you've got a lot of jazz pedigree as well. I do. Yeah. It's something that I've, I think, you know, Nate exposed me to, um, when I first started studying with him, he got me into like listening to Michelle Camilo and Cliff Almond on drums and, uh, Weckl and all those kind of like latin jazz fusion dudes and and then from there i kind of like rolled you know went back in time and and started listening to like the 50s and 60s bebop stuff and and i still like it's still a goal of mine to like be a great straight ahead jazz player i just i love it yeah um so i i work on it all the time and i still take lessons and so yeah my my a lot of my influences I mean, my early influences are definitely the classic rock greats, Neil Peart, Alex Van Halen, and um, Bonham, and Keith Moon. Um, but definitely for the last, like, I don't know, several years, and, and still current, it's like Philly Joe, Tony Williams, Steve Gadd. Not that Steve Gadd's so much of like an old school straight ahead guy, but like, uh, he, he's a huge influence. But yeah, it's Philly, Art Blakey, Tony Williams, definitely been shedding a lot of that stuff lately, trying to get it honed in, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we're all still chasing <laughs> chasing that stuff, yeah. you know, 30 years in. I mean, it's, it's some next level drumming, uh, no doubt. But, you know, I, what I find interesting is when, you know, I mean... Y- I don't know if you guys read your press or not, but I mean, everybody is basically saying, okay, Dirty Honey is, you know, is the saviors of rock music, you know, and (laughs) so, I I mean, 
And look, it's undeniable. You know, you guys had a number one mainstream rock single without a label. You know, I mean, that stuff, you know, is amazing. That's never happened before ever in the history of of music. Um, And and, and the the tunes are great. And I love you guys, you know, as an as an older guy who grew up on the same stuff you did, you know, the classic rock, everything. What I love about you guys is you're you're authentic. You know, I mean, it's it's 100 percent real and it's not a band that was you know, put together by some producer someplace. It, I mean, it's real. And you guys yeah. are, are really playing yeah. your instruments, which is just kind of unheard of in, in this day and age, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But, you know, do you do you feel that pressure? I mean, when you hear those things of like, you know, you, you guys are the, the hope for rock music. Does that put any additional pressure on you? No, no, <laughs> I don't, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I just, I focus on what I, what's important to me and that's my playing and always growing. And I never, I, I feel like I'm behind the ball, you know, with my level of playing. And I took some time off a few years ago working on some personal stuff. And so I feel like I'm playing catch up. So to me, what's important just you know, for myself at least, is um, is just focusing on my playing and like trying to get better. And so, I, yeah, I don't feel any any pressure or anything like that from press. I mean, people can say all kinds of things. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and they will. You know, they will say all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, so talk to me a little bit about um, you know, the the band about Dirty Honey. I mean. Look, I know you guys have done a ton of press. You know, everybody wants to interview you guys. But I want to know from from your perspective as the drummer, you know, what what is it about the music that, that you love? I mean, is it, um, you know, is it the songwriting? Is it the, you know, the, the tours? I mean, what is it for you that really does it? Um... I mean, there's a lot of things, really. I mean, it, it, it just feels um, it feels like home, like you know, because we're kind of doing a thing that's reminiscent of like all the classic rock stuff that I grew up on and all of us grew up on, and um, it's like kind of a, a popular thing now. So it's it's working and having some success, and that's really cool to be able to like. I don't know, get, get up on stage and, and do my own version or emulation of the stuff I grew up on and have it like have an audience and play. I get to play basically however I want. Like, you know, no one's really, none of us really tell each other like how to play. We might throw around some ideas, but um, we all get to totally be ourselves. And, um, you know, another thing that's really fun and, and that, Add the, I don't know, sort of an interesting challenge to it is that we all take solos live. Yeah. And uh, none of that's really rehearsed or worked out or, you know, we're just, we're literally just improvising. And we never, <laughs> at least for me, like when I get up there and I, it's my turn to solo, like I don't, I don't have anything planned. So I never really know how it's going to work out. And, uh, and I like that. That's a big, 
challenge and keeps me motivated. And yeah, I mean, playing the songs too, a similar thing. Like, don't really play them exactly the same each night. Different spells here and there, and it's just cool. I can be, I can be myself. Yeah, man. That's well, and and it shows, you know. And, and again, I use the word authentic to describe you guys and um you know that's sorely lacking in modern music i think you know uh especially being somebody in the south you know i mean i live in kentucky i'm i'm only about three hours away from nashville and i've got a lot of friends that are in the nashville scene and and that's all great but i can't tell any of those country artists apart anymore they they all sound exactly the same You, you know what i mean and it's um yeah, you guys are a breath of fresh air, I guess is what I'm trying to say in the modern landscape. And, you know, just last week, you guys released uh, an Amazon music exclusive, and it was a cover of Last Child by Aerosmith. And right. I think you guys went into the studio with the great Dave Cobb to produce that. Um, and, you know, I yeah. listened to it and I was like, man, these guys get it. They, they get it. You know, it, it would have been so easy to go in and try to put your own, you know, weird spin on that song. You, you did some of that, right. but it stayed very true to the original. And I was like, man, these guys sound a lot like early Aerosmith. It was it was awesome. You know, I mean, so kudos to yeah. you all. Could you tell listening to that that it wasn't recorded to a click? I could not tell, but I knew that it wasn't. <laughs> Does that make sense? I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, I've done enough sessions that, you know, your timing was great, but I knew you weren't playing to a click. I, I just knew. And I don't it know. A, it, I, was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting session because we did a bunch of takes, none of them to a click. And then he went in and like, and chopped, chopped up and selected different sections from different takes and so it's actually uh, like you know, there's several takes in what you hear. That's awesome. Kind of, it kind of blows my mind a little bit that it it worked pretty seamlessly, not playing to a click. I mean, I feel like I can still hear a little more, you know, certain sections laid back a little bit more on top, a little bit more than others. Well, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It, well, but I mean, you know, if you grew up on classic rock, you know, Bonham never used a click. Keith Moon certainly never used a click. And, you know, yeah. Ringo, Charlie, all those guys. And if you listen to those songs and, and if you, you know, if you try to put a metronome to it, it just doesn't work because they sped up when they got to the yeah. chorus and slowed down in the verse. And it's what made those songs breathe, yeah. you know. Um right. Which, you know, I've done both. I've done sessions with a click, without a click. Um, I certainly play a hell of a lot better without one. I'll tell you that right now. You know, Um, and and I think most drummers do. Would you agree with that? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't speak for other drummers. I don't know. But for myself, uh it depends. I think I'll play better without it if um, if I feel like I've I've been like spent a couple of days previously like shedding my time and putting the metronome on forty and like locking in with it. 
I'll feel better about playing without a click after I've done that for a couple of practice sessions versus like if I've been working on a bunch of chop stuff, yeah. then playing without a click, it, my time doesn't feel as stable. So yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I agree with that too. I mean, if I'm going in cold and I've never heard the song before, I typically do want a click. You know, you know, because yeah. you don't want to be the guy that's holding everything up, obviously. But um, yeah. it was it was a great cover. And, you know, I would love to see you guys you. work more with Dave Cobb. I think, you know, I mean, obviously his work with, yeah. you know, some of your contemporaries, Rival Sons comes to mind. Um, you know, I, I think he would be a great yeah. producer for you guys, no doubt. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Now, now I, I know that you guys just started, and please correct me if I'm if I get this wrong. But you guys just started your first headline tour out on your own. Is is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we did we did a couple of weeks uh, in November actually of our own headlining tour. It was just a little bit of a shorter, um, more West Coast focused run. But yeah, this is our first big, like, you know, full nationwide headlining tour. Yeah, and, you know, the reports are all of the shows are sold out or almost sold out. So that's <laughs> that's always a good sign that yeah. people that people want to come see it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's great. Um, the shows have been awesome so far. Well, that's cool, man. Um, you know, I, what what are the goals? I mean, do you guys have, you know, cohesive goals as a band? I mean, is it, is it something as simple as let's just go do this tour and, and do as well as we can. And then, you know, talk about maybe some new material or is it, we want a Grammy or we want a platinum record or, I I mean, I don't know. That's probably not a very good question, but you know, what is the, the team goal at this point? Uh, to just, I mean, take it as far as we can, I think, you know, just to, to keep doing what we're doing and try to be honest with the music we're playing and, you know, give people the rock and roll that they want to hear, I guess, or, you know, seems like there's a demand for that. Yeah. Um, so we're just trying to do that and, and take it as far as we can and, I mean, we have an awesome team with us, our manager and booking agent and radio guy, and um, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Now, are you guys... Just take it as far as we can. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, are you guys writing while you're out on the road as well? I mean, what 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 does the future look like in terms of, you know, new music? I know it's a, a, a different industry now than it was, you know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever. But I mean, are you guys going to continue yeah. doing EPs and singles or are you going to do a, a, a full length next uh, or, or has that even been discussed? Yeah, um, there's been some discussion of that. And I think what makes the most sense right now, we're leaning towards doing another EP, um, which will probably be recorded in March. Okay. Um yeah, so we're we're writing a bit on the road and in our sound checks we experiment with things and we uh you know, we had some time off over the holidays and get together a few times to try to work out some ideas and so we've got some new stuff in the works. We're playing a couple of new songs in our live set now. 
trying to flush him out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, another EP. Awesome. Well, I'm at you. Well, and that's great. I mean, and I think so many artists now, that's what they do, you know, because people don't buy records anymore, you know, for the most part. Um, what is, and I know radio has embraced you guys big time and you're getting lots of, you know, traditional radio airplay, you know, what are you guys doing on the streaming side or is that, you know, the bulk of, of where you're being consumed? Uh, that's a good question that I don't know if I have an accurate (laughs) answer to. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I just try to, I just show up where they tell me to and, uh, bring my (laughs) practice kit and set up and practice as much as I can. And that's that's pretty much it. (laughs) Brother, that is the most drummer answer you've given. (laughs) I might, I might have a lot more to to talk about if you want to talk about, uh, rudiments and and chop ideas on the kit and, Oh, that's maybe a more interesting conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I'm asking the questions that I ask is because there's so much interest, you know, and, you know, I typically don't do the whole business side, you know, interviews with anybody. But, you know, you guys are are the, you know, the hot new thing. So talk to me a little bit about. Well, I mean, I think. Go, Go ahead. I was, gonna, uh, yeah, I was just going to add to the, the radio thing. I mean, KLOS picked us up early in LA, just kind of on their own. I think they found us on Spotify and then they just like reached out to us. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I think radio, I mean, I really don't know. I, yeah. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, that's a good sign when radio stations are like, Hey, can we play you? And, and nobody has ever yeah. said no. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, label or not. So, I I mean, that's a good sign. But so let me transition a little bit. And, you know, I I don't want to dwell too much on, you know, what you guys have already done. It's out there. But talk to me a little bit about how you prepare with new material. You said you had some new songs in the in the live set. Um what is your what is your all's writing process like? It, you know, does your guitar player come in with a riff and then you guys just kind of jam on it and figure it out, or do you have a, a set process that you follow? Yeah, I mean that's definitely one of the key starting points. I think is a riff from John uh, or a melody and some chords from Mark, um, and then yeah, there's a jamming process that happens. Uh, a lot of times, some of the things will, new things will arise out of, out of just messing around. Like, um, one of the new things, one of the new songs that we're playing in our set started with a riff from John where he was just literally messing around, sound checking. And then we're like, Oh, play, keep playing that. And then that evolved into a song. Certain things like, uh, EP that's out. That happens from a thing with uh, Justin and, and Mark that they had worked out. But then when we brought it to the room with all of us, I started it at a whole different tempo and then brought a whole different feel to it. So it's kind of like uh, there's usually like a seed of something that started with one of the other guys. And then I feel like my position on it is. Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> speaking off of the history, it's interpreting it wrongly or not how they were interpreting it, and then it turns into something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, those ha- those happy accidents are usually where you know hit songs come from. Happy I accidents. think. Yeah, happy accidents. Right, Bob Ross. I like that. Um, so, yeah. So obviously you guys just did this thing with Dave Cobb in Nashville. Was that similar to the recording process that you used for, you know, the, the first release? I mean, are you guys going into the studio and playing live or, you know, how do you record, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing with Dave Cobb was, was totally live. Uh, we just stayed everybody up in the live room and Mark and I saw booth and Dave was in the the live room with us just kind of listening and giving some notes here and there and uh, we just did like I don't know probably six takes or something just live and, and that was it and then he cut it together and the EP when we did that uh, we it was more like a I don't know, I guess traditional recording process where we're kind of doing drums first, but we, we did play live together. And then a lot of what's on the EP is me, what me and Justin track together. And then John goes back and redoes guitars and Mark goes back and redoes vocals. And, um, and some of the stuff on that EP is actually like, you know, we go, we went in and we, we kind of like started demoing <clears throat> the tunes first. So we're just kind of playing through them, getting ideas and whatever. And, and some of the demo stuff where, at least in my mind, while I was, while we're running through the tunes, recording it, I'm thinking, okay, this is the demo. I can kind of experiment or I can, we're still feeling it out. <laughs> yeah. And we're not, we're not, we're not like going for it yet. But some of that stuff ended up being what's on the record. Yeah. Like Rolling Sevens was the first, the first take. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and only, only take. That's um, awesome. So yeah. Okay. A mixture of things, I guess. But. Well, that's. I, I mean, that's great. I mean, I, that that's really cool to hear. And um, I, let's talk a little bit about the live shows because, um, you know, I I know you guys are uh, again. Almost all the shows are sold out, but you know, we do have folks listening that that may scramble out and try to grab a ticket. You know. Um, what should somebody expect coming to their first Dirty Honey live show? I mean, what's it going to be like? Uh, uh, it's going to kick ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's going to kick ass. It's going to be like, uh, I, I mean, I think we've all heard that, uh, I mean, pretty much every show, somebody will come up to one of us and be like, you guys are better live than in the recording. I think there's something about the live show that, I don't know, probably more energy comes across or we've also been playing the songs longer so we can, you know, from playing so many live shows, new little things here and there get thrown in. There's some jamming, but like not on the EP really that we do live and we all take solos and it's just try to keep the energy up and um yeah, yeah high energy kick ass uh 
showing off of stuff. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure, man. Well, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, I, I didn't want to assume and say, because, you know, full disclaimer, I have not got to see you guys live yet. I, I hope to do that very Dude, soon. Come to Nashville. You know what? I will. You know what? I will. I'll get you a ticket. All right. You're, you're a good man. I will absolutely make that happen. Um, but, you, you know, I didn't want to say you guys are a live band, but I knew that. I wanted you to say that, and you did. Um, I, what I have seen, you know, there's everybody's got clips out on YouTube and, you know, social media and stuff. But what I have seen is it's a good, honest to God rock and roll show. There's, you know, there's not a yeah. bunch of, you know, laser lights and explosions and, you know, fire breathers and, you know, circus performers. Yeah. I mean, it's it is a, a an honest to God. You guys come out and, and rip for your entire set. And that's what folks should expect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is which is sorely missing again in modern music. Um, Corey, there's no tracks. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, I absolutely know that, um, which is fantastic. Um, Corey, I want to be respectful of your time. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I know you're in the van trying to get to a show tonight. We really appreciate the time, but you know, one of the things that we do here on the Drum Shuffle is we tell all of our guests or allow all of our guests to give a good piece of advice. Um, You know, it's kind of, kind of been a whirlwind ride for you thus far. And, you know, I know that we're just at the very beginning of your story and just getting to know you and, and dirty honey. Um, But, you know, tell us what have you experienced in that short time and, and what advice would you offer to other players? Uh, I feel like there's two things there. I mean, the thing with Dirty Honey, yeah, it's been a crazy ride so far, going from basically just playing in town, doing whatever random gigs, to, like, traveling essentially full-time. Um, it's a big adjustment just yeah, on more of, like, a life lifestyle uh, note. But, uh, and I don't know if I've completely figured out that <laughs> uh, to an ex- to an extent where I can give advice on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that. But um, yeah. as far as playing, um, I mean, my thing now is just staying humble and staying open to new influences and uh, never just staying disciplined. Really, stay humble, stay disciplined, keep practicing keep honing in on your craft. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Well, and that's great advice. Um, So, and I think I know the answer to this, but do do you feel like a rock star? I mean, that's part of the transition, certainly. You know, when your band blows up, which you guys have just exploded onto the scene, I know people probably treat you differently when they run into you, you know, at the gas station or whatever, the grocery store. I mean, that's a huge transition for a young guy, you know? Um, Yeah. What has that been like for you? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty introverted, so I don't know if I'm totally comfortable with it yet, to be honest, but uh, I mean, it's cool and I'm grateful and, People are always really nice and excited to meet us. 
it's pretty surreal. It's pretty crazy. But I mean, I, I mean, I don't feel like a rock star. I don't know if I ever will. Cause I don't know if it's just not, I don't know. My thing again, just comes back to the playing. It's like, I just want to be the best musician I can be and let that speak for itself. And wherever that leads me is totally fine by me. So that's where my focus is. To, well, that's cool. And I know it's probably too early to, to, to say, but you know, you guys are out on the road for a couple of months are you, um, you know, when you get a break in the whirlwind that you're caught up in, are you going to give lessons and, and you know, do studio work with other artists? I mean, what what do you want your downtime yeah, to look like? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm definitely open to lessons if people reach out to me and um, that's that's an option. I mean... I spend most of my downtime working on solo projects, you know, in an effort to continue to expand my own, I don't know, artistry, if I can call it that. And uh, so I'm, I'm actually getting ready to drop a, a solo project in the next couple of weeks um, of all original music and got some awesome, some of my favorite session players, Tim LaFave and Jeff Babco and some other friends playing on it and, um, you know, trying to still work on the straight ahead jazz thing and play shows at the Blue Whale in LA. And, um, I mean, that's, that's my downtime. Basically just more music. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, man. Well, that's so cool. So is your solo project going to be released under your name or, or is there a band name? Tell, Tell us about that. Yeah, it'll be, I haven't quite figured out all the titles yet, but the it'll be under my name, I think, and and the album will be called Punch the Shaman. That's a whole other story uh, for another <laughs> interview. Sure, where that name comes from, but uh, yeah, it'll be um, just kind of a short EP of some more experimental stuff. Cool guess, that I've written over the years. <clears throat> Cool. Well, we we will all keep our eye out for that, and presumably that's going to be out, uh, you know, uh, in the the interwebs so people can find it. Um, do, before we let you go, um, do you want to share any, you know, Instagram uh, names, you know, Facebook? What kind of social media do you use? If anybody wants to look you up and follow you, where, where do they go? Yeah, sure. Uh, pretty much just on Instagram, and uh, it's just my name, Corey Coverstone. Look it up, man. <laughs> cool. If you want to. All right, awesome. Well, we're going to send some folks your way for sure. Uh, brother, thanks so much for taking the time yeah. to do this. Um, when you course, do, you. yeah, you. for sure. When you get some downtime, let me know and we will absolutely have you back. I would love for you to kind of tell us how the tour went, how everything was going and, and, and all that good stuff. But we got to do this again for sure. Sounds great. All right, man. Well, listen, safe travels. Have a great run out there and we'll be in touch real soon. Okay. All right, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 88 of The Drum Shuffle. 
Again, many thanks to Corey and his entire team for helping me get uh, that interview set up. And and he took time out of his schedule, you know, riding in the van on his way to the next city. That was just really cool to have him on the show. This is a young cat that we all need to watch. Uh, these guys are making a whole lot of noise in the industry, and Corey's a big part of that. So uh, if you haven't gotten hooked up with Dirty Honey yet, buy a ticket buy one of their singles, buy the EP. These kids are doing great things. You're, you're going to want to keep your eye on Corey for the years to come. Hey, thank you guys so very much for tuning in. We cannot do this show without each and every one of you. Uh, you guys are like family to us. You're what keeps us going here at the Drum Shuffle. The one favor that I always ask, I'm going to ask again, Hit the thumbs up. Give us a star rating over at Apple Podcasts. Write a review about the show. Uh, hit subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen in. That helps us more than anything. The biggest thing you can do for us, if you like what we're doing at the Drum Shuffle, send the link to a friend. www.thedrumshuffle.com is our web address. As always, we answer every single email that we receive here. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is where you can reach out to us. And of course, you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. We have all the social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have a YouTube channel, Jamie Eads Drummer. Every single episode of The Drum Shuffle is published to that YouTube channel. Follow us in all those places. It helps more than you'll ever know. We have some great guests coming up for you. Uh, still working with the great Scott Hessel from the Gin Blossoms to uh, get his schedule coordinated with us. Nate Morton is going to be back on before too long. We're just trying to iron out all the details. Next week, I'm going to be joined by a great local Central Kentucky drummer, Zach Martin, a uh, great guy, played over 150 shows last year in Central Kentucky alone. He's getting it done. So we're going to be joined by Zach next week. Really excited about that. So hit subscribe. You don't want to miss those. So until next time, everybody, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers. Cheers.